I think volunteers are always incredibly important to a city story. I think that obviously these events take work and they take community involvement. And I think the more creative that you can be in showing how you will bring, in our case, Angelinos, that's what we call people who live in Los Angeles. If you can show how the diverse community of Angelinos will come together to welcome your guests, I think that is, is the story of LA. Meet Karina Herald, Vice President of Events at the LA Sports and Entertainment Commission. With the City of Los Angeles set to welcome some of the biggest events worldwide over the next 10 years, including the Super Bowl and the Olympic Games, there are no shortages of volunteer opportunities for Angelinos, as Karina refers to them. In this episode of the podcast, we take a look at the unique nature of host cities and the important social, economical and cultural role they play in attracting major events around the world. With thousands of volunteers required to support these major events, Karina discusses how the LA Sports and Entertainment Commission engage with their communities through volunteer opportunities to create experiences unlike any other. This podcast was recorded remotely, so we do apologize for the broken audio at times. He's hoping these podcasts can be recorded in person sooner rather than later. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Karina Herald, thank you so much for joining us on the Engaged Volunteer podcast all the way from LA. Your current role, Vice President of Major Events at the Los Angeles Sports and Entertainment Commission. You guys have a crazy amount of events coming to town over the next 12, 15, 20 years. Uh, I'm really interested to dive into your journey today. So thank you for joining me. Thank you, Shannon. It's a real pleasure to to be with you today. And I look forward to to talking about Los Angeles and the decade of the 20s, which is going to shape up to be really exciting. Oh, man, it really is. Uh, Yeah. So look, Karina, I'd love to almost start at the start for you. I mean, your career, you're in a fantastic position now. I'd love to learn a bit about where you were previously and how you got into the role where you are today. Sure. Well, I actually started my career in sports tourism. I was a college athlete, so I played basketball and I was in college uh, at UC San Diego. Worked for the NCAA for one year as an intern, went to graduate school at UMass Amherst. And after my graduate work, I asked Kathy Schlossman, who's the president and CEO of our company, the Los Angeles Sports and Entertainment Commission, I asked her if I could be her intern. She didn't have graduate interns at that time, graduate school interns, but she took a chance on me and I was able to work directly for her in my graduate school years. And the good news is she offered me a job uh, after the internship. So once I got my MBA and my MS in sport management, I moved back to Los Angeles where I'm from and where I grew up and started my career in sports tourism. And I was on the sales side actually. And my job was to go find big events to bring to Los Angeles that impact our community, both economically, socially, and culturally. Back then, and that was back in 2008 or so, we didn't have a big shiny new stadium like we do now with SoFi Mm -hmm. Stadium. So uh, our partners, AEG and Staples Center, a lot of our events were were inside at Staples Center and and, and it was was a great run. Yeah, Um, fantastic. I, I made a little career pivot in 2011 and I went back into college athletics and I worked at Pepperdine University in Malibu, which is which is adjacent to Los Angeles, obviously, for nine years. And I was the deputy director of athletics there and ran the department. The cool thing about that opportunity, Shannon, is is Pepperdine was able to host the NCAA men's basketball tournament or an aspect of it, mm. the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight at Staples Center. And we, we were selected to, to host that four years 
from from 2013 to 2020. We were supposed to host in 2020, but COVID canceled that for us. But we hosted three separate times and I was the tournament manager for that. So I always stayed in major events and um, I was able to continue to dabble, I guess, in the event world with that event and partnered, still partnered with the Los Angeles Sports and Entertainment Commission. And so we had over a hundred volunteers for that event, obviously very student heavy, but I've had a lot of experience with running major events specifically here in Los Angeles, and the opportunity to go back to the Sports Commission in this decade, where we're going to be hosting a Super Bowl, we're going to be hosting a college football playoff national championship, we plan to be hosting a World Cup, or uh, some of the World Cup games, and then of course, uh, running up to the Olympics in 2028. So that is my background. Yeah, well, fantastic. I I almost want to jump into probably the young woman asking that lady for an internship where you're probably a bit nervous <laughs> about that thinking oh my god what am I going to do am I am I good enough and, and you got the job I, I love the fact you asked the question and, and it's clearly worked out for you it feels like that experience would have been invaluable to where you are now oh I wouldn't be where I am obviously without having that internship in between my my MBA years uh, getting yeah. my business degree but I think you you bring up a good point about asking the question yeah. it's okay if if something's non-traditional to be able I think you have to come up with creative solutions and so this particular internship was more of an undergrad kind of event internship and I said hey let me come in let me help you with a project or something a little bit more strategic and 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 it worked out there was something that she need that she needed me to work on and I also got the event experience on top of it which was important for me because at my core I'm an event girl and I love running events so yeah. it, it was an unbelievable summer and so happy to have spent three years after with the Sports Commission and, and back now. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's all seemed to align closely, very closely to where you are now. And look, I'm really interested for our international listeners, Karina, obviously I'm in Australia and have a lot of listeners in the UK as well. The Sports Council, and, and you mentioned they're effectively selling, right? You're, you're trying to sell your city to the events and to the NCAA to say, hey, come to our town and, and host your events here for the tourism results, ultimately. Can right. you talk about that structure a little and how that works in the States? Because it's really quite fascinating. Yeah, so here, and, and I can talk specifically about the NCAA because that's a little bit different and, and unique to the United States, but just like with FIFA World Cup and the Olympics, there are bid processes, and typically in, in college sports too, we're bidding out five to ten years ahead of time, just like with the Super Bowls and, and the, the World Cups of the world. And it's the same, it, it, it is the same. We have to put our best foot forward. We have to meet all of the bid criteria, of course. And there's a formal RFP that is sent out. And, you know, it's all about choosing the right partners, the right venue partners, the right hotel, making everything as accessible as possible, and then going and telling your story. And sure. that's what's what the most important is thing is, is the opportunity to tell your story. Because yeah. you can submit as many spreadsheets and CAD drawings as you want, especially in Los Angeles, where we're very experiential, where you have to come and experience why we're so different we love to be able to get out in front of people and pitch that story because it's an incredible it's an incredible experience if you can be here for three days or three weeks it it could be life-changing so that that is how we pitch Los Angeles and and it is a unique place there we certainly have our challenges and we're able to sell those as opportunities in our opinion Um, but it certainly 
it's an honor to have been in those rooms and, and selling, selling LA to some of the biggest sporting events in the world. It's an interesting point you touched on before about the, you, you now have the shiny new stadium, right? What, mm-hmm. What's it called and, and why is it so special? SoFi Stadium is the newest stadium in Los Angeles, actually in Inglewood, California. It's the home of the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers of the National Football League, but is obviously built in a way that speaks to Los Angeles's ability to entertain. So it, it is a stadium, it is a state-of-the-art stadium, the building itself, but it sits on a campus that eventually, once built to capacity, is going to have retail entertainment. There'll be a theater, there will be housing, there will be a hotel, there's already a beautiful lake. It has every tree indigenous to California that you can think of on property. It's bigger than Disneyland. It is going to be, uh, once complete, wow. the entertainment hub, what we think the entertainment hub of the world. Um, yeah, sure. And it is an incredibly special place to program uh, for an event. So we're able to pitch to an event. You are going to be, have this entire stadium campus to yourself to be able to program and it's all on private land. So you'll be able to program it exactly as you want, as you see fit. Everything's digital. There's very little uh, permanent signage. So everything's digital. It can change and move to whatever event is there. And I'm telling you, you might be see it on TV if you've watched some games, but once you're actually there, it is a completely different experience. <laughs> yeah. I was checking it out this morning, Karina. Is there a wave pool there? <laughs> There's, that's a great idea. There's not a wave pool, but there, but <laughs> there is a lake. There is a lake. Yeah. It is a body of water. You might've checked it out on a windy day, like today when it's, uh, when it might have some waves on it. Um, I was thinking of surfing is. tournaments as well. You, uh, you seem to tick every other box. That's right. <laughs> Lovely. Well, uh, I guess uh, we'll get into volunteers shortly in terms of how you'll be involving them and in particular in legacy, which I'm really interested in. But I'm interested in the bidding process. Is there an element of that bidding process or a box to tick necessarily about volunteers to show that if you bring your event to our town, that we've got an engaged group of volunteers here or, or is a bit more focused on the city and, and sort of the the infrastructure that you have? I think volunteers are always incredibly important to a city story. I think that obviously these events take work and they take community involvement. And I think the more creative that you can be in showing how you will bring in our case, Angelinos, that's what we call people who live in Los Angeles. If you can show how the diverse community of Angelinos will come together to welcome your guests, I think that's what that is is the story of LA. I mean, we are leading with our diverse community. Mm-hmm. Um, LA is a diverse place, both in its population, but also we are a city of hundreds of communities. And sure. if you know anything about Los Angeles, we're very spread out. Yes. And I mentioned earlier about that sometimes being seen as a negative in traffic and it's spread out all over the place and you have to be in a car. But the way that we sell it is we literally have hundreds of communities within one city. If you're into dining and and you're a foodie, this is where you go. And if you're into arts and you're into music, this is where you go. And if you're into cinema and you're into TV production, this is where you go. And we can literally hit every single possible little niche, hobby, idea, or cultural element that you could ever find all over the world. And we can do it in every language. 
And that's what's so beautiful about Los Angeles. And so our workforce and our volunteer force, we are proud of who we are and we're proud of our city and we welcome people with open arms. Yeah, brilliant. I love the concept of cities having an engaged community, number one, but volunteers ultimately are the representation of that city. And any major event I've been to around the world is often the community feel you walk away from that town going, sure, the event was good. Sure, a Super Bowl was fun to watch, but it's the people of the town meeting you at the airport is often what you go away with, thinking about, I would like to go back there for that reason. And I think it's, that's the thing about, um, I'm grasping this and learning this as I go about in America, you're ultimately funding a lot of these events and bids by tourism and hotel taxes and so on, because you're wanting people to come back to your city, not because you're going to have another Super Bowl, but because I had such a great experience doing everything else in the town. Can you talk to that a little bit, please, Karina? Well, that's exactly right, Shannon. And and we look at, at repeat visitors, but we also look at length of stay. And sure. so we feel like in Los Angeles, where typically maybe somebody would go to a major event for three nights, get in and get out, we we think in Los Angeles that we could extend that to five or six nights. Yeah, and okay. So, so sure. to your point, that drives more direct and indirect spending to our community. And that's why we put the investment in to, to host these events. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And and that is the economics to it. Everything that we will do, we're we're hosting the Super Bowl in 2022, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon, but everything that we will do and market leading up to the Super Bowl in 2022 is going to be about Los Angeles and the impact that this event is going to make on our community. Yeah. And that's critically important to, to the messaging. Yeah, brilliant. Just yesterday, actually, we did a podcast with Mike Nishi from Chicago Marathon. And we spoke at length about the fact that Chicago Marathon is one day of the year. But his, his, job, his job as chief operating officer is, is more about the other 300 plus days of the year that people aren't involved directly with the event. And how do you leave that lasting legacy on the people from the city, but also those who come in? I think it's a really important one you're touching on there. And we'll, we'll, get, we'll talk about legacy shortly. But as you said, I'm interested to talk about the Super Bowl in 2022. So uh, obviously Tampa's up next. And I'm sure will your team be heading down there to check out the volunteer program and, and how it's all going to work? You know, Shannon, it's a weird time <laughs> with, sure, with can, a yes, global pandemic. So <laughs> our our plans are up in the air. Uh, in a normal year, yes, our team would be on ground working side by side with the Tampa Bay team, learning the ins and outs of, of their volunteer program. The pandemic, unfortunately, is halting a lot of travel for us. And we're in a state in California that is essentially on lockdown right now for, for the next few weeks. So yep. We're in close contact with our colleagues in Tampa Bay. They've been phenomenal uh, and we're rooting for them. But yes, normally we would go and we plan to host Super Bowls again in the future, hopefully the near Mm -hmm. future. And so we would go and work on the ground with them uh, and get to know the ins and outs. But their program is drastically different as well, just because of the pandemic and and all the the capacity reductions that they have. But yes, in a normal year, we would go before, it would be fantastic. And then at the end of that week, there would be a, a formal handoff. There will still be a handoff to us next February 9th, 2021. And 
yep. it might be virtual, but we will officially be on the clock then. Yes, I understand. Yeah. And then game on for 2022. So okay. um, I'd love to talk to you about the volunteer strategy because, and, and I understand it, it, it's early days in what you're doing, but if I'm a volunteer in LA for the Super Bowl, I, I register, let's say next February for the 2022 event. How do I then stay involved following the Super Bowl? Is there a, a city-based strategy around this where you're wanting to keep people engaged? Or is it, are you looking at them in silos for your volunteer recruitment and, and long-term strategy? Everything that we're doing is city-based because um, of the events that we have in the decade of the 20s with leading up to 2028 in the Olympics, we are going to need our, our volunteers and our community to step up almost every year. Uh, Absolutely, with yeah. some of the major events. And so we will run our volunteer program through the Los Angeles Sports and Entertainment Commission. And that's yes. the beauty of the way that we are set up. We essentially double as the host committees for these events. And yeah. so different cities do it in different ways, but our team is a strong team. We're a local team. We have industry and regional knowledge. And so we will just roll on and off as these events down the pipe. And we anticipate that our volunteers will do the same. Our sports commission also, in normal days, of course, hosts four to five events a year. And so we also have opportunities to engage these folks as well. And professional development is really important to us. And about 75% of our volunteers are college students. And so we want to provide programming all year round so that our college students, our local college students, are getting the experience, potentially resume and interviewing skills, and using our network to land that job that they need right out of college. So that's that's what we do in normal days, of course. We'll have, we'll have them on the ground with us, uh, our best and our brightest, but our hope is that we're touching them annually and that we'll have an opportunity for them every single year to volunteer. Sure. And so if I'm a volunteer in 2022 for the Super Bowl, and then by the time the Olympics come around, do you envisage that that person will have one central profile through that entire journey so that your team from 2022 may not be still there, even when the FIFA World Cup hopefully comes to town, but yet those volunteers, uh, the data against those people, the work they've done, maybe the feedback they have from those events, do you envisage that being one central profile of that person so that it is sustainable in long term? We do. So the Los Angeles Sports and Entertainment Commission is responsible for the Super Bowl, the college football playoff national championship. And when we hear about FIFA World Cup, that will all come under our jurisdiction. We work very closely with LA28, which is the Olympics organizing committee and host committee. And so they, obviously, it's a completely different animal, if you will. But we are in constant contact with them, even now, eight years before, yep. to talk about how our volunteers and their volunteers and in most cases, it's going to be the same person. So how collectively the Los Angeles Volunteer Program yeah. can roll right into the Olympics. Yeah, brilliant. I'm not sure if you're aware of a program called Team London, the City of London's legacy volunteer program from the Games in 2012. I have not specifically uh, researched it, but I will now because it sounds great. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the shining light, in my opinion, of what a city can do um, to create a volunteer legacy. And it's just something so special where the city uses their major events as effectively a fire starter for for volunteer Mm. community and and engagement. And it's still running today and we're pleased to be working with them there. But it's I just see it as something that every city around the world should be doing, big or small, a, a way that if you want to volunteer in your community, then I want to go through the city because they're the ones that have connections to everything that's going on not just events as well that's the important thing too so yeah definitely one to check out so i guess we've spoken a bit about the the upcoming events that are coming to town and when when do you hear about the fifa world cup coming to la or or not well we're working diligently on the next round of responses um my colleague allison satelli is our vice president of business development and she's putting together los angeles's latest round the bid process has been a little different because of the pandemic. And so there's nothing in person, nor were there any site visits. Um, So everything we've had to do has had to be virtually through email and and those types of things. So once we get our next round of responses in, then then we should, we'll wait for the next round. And we are bidding with three different stadiums in in our city. So we feel really comfortable um, and confident that we will host something. Yes, very true. And good luck with that uh, that okay. bid. All right. Now, I want to dive into the volunteers. So through your career, you've worked with volunteers a lot. I know they've been crucial to a lot of the events you've been involved with. From your experience, what are some top tips you've had about the best way to engage with people? Volunteers, they're such a joy, right? And they're also, yep. it's important that you model for them how you want them to welcome people, right? Mm-hmm. So volunteers are often the first touch point that a guest may have Correct. or that an attendee may have. And so I think it's critically important that you set expectations around customer service from the start. We are here for the customer. We are here for the attendee. It is our job to make their experience the best they've ever had. Yep. And so when you, you go in with those that level of expectation and that level of, of standard, you have to also make it fun for the volunteer. So yes. It's this balancing act of making sure that the volunteer is satisfied and fulfilled with his or her purpose as a a greeter or as a host or or what have you, but that our attendees, customers, fans, whatever it may be and whatever the event is, leave feeling like they were number one. And so it's really just about making sure that you yourself are doing the same thing with the volunteers that you're asking the volunteers to do with your spectators or your fans or your guests. And that's have a smile on your face. Take time to answer questions. Make sure that you are pouring into them just like you're asking them to pour into your guests. Like I said, make it fun. Be organized. We know that volunteers and people who are working for free, they're giving their time to you. (laughs) And so be respectful of that time. Make sure that you are so organized that when they show up, they have their gear, they have their what they have to pass out, they have their script, they know what they're doing. And then that will translate to how they treat the guests that are at your event or in your city or what have you. So Shannon, my whole thing is modeled away. Sure. If you model the way and you as a host committee or as an event organizer or as just model the way and how you want your volunteers to treat people, you treat your volunteers. Got it. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you can put in systems and you can use amazing platforms like Rosterfy to, to keep yourself organized and make sure that your schedules are right and that your shifts are, are scheduled and you're communicating correctly and everyone's got the right. But at the end of the day, you have to be the face. Yeah. And I've 
part of some, some volunteer training. And there's some, obviously, some professional companies worldwide that do this, you know, kind of the Disney way. And it's yeah, unbelievable. The Disney way, yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable the kind of energy that they bring just from like that first Massive. orientation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you walk into an orientation <laughs> at crazy, a convention center yeah. with 10,000 people and, you know, they got the music pumping and you're running down and that's real. And that <laughs> yeah. sets the tone. Like that is very authentic. It's not yeah. like they just, it sets the tone for this is this event and this is how we're going to be. And this is fun and exciting. And we're going to be on all the time and you're going to be exhausted at the end of it, but man, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested. You mentioned Disney. Uh, Matt Lynch is a good friend of ours. Moonshot. He, he's done a lot of the volunteer training and structuring mm -hmm. for the past mm -hmm. few Super Bowls. I'm mm -hmm. sure you guys are probably speaking to Matt, but I, I'd love your, uh, like the Disney way. That, that's very <laughs> unique to everyone else around the world. People in the States get it from the events mm -hmm. world and, and you understand it, but, but please explain it to me. The Disney way is that the customer is always right, right? Like, and you just have to be impeccable in how you present yourself. So, you know, it's Disney, literally based the, off Disney, Disneyland, right? Training, Disneyland, right? Disneyland training, exactly. And Disney training. So Disneyland, Disney World. One of the things that always sticks out in my mind is trash cans. And I know that sounds crazy, but I've actually used it in, in my past life in college athletics too. You know, they have trash cans like every six feet or something like that. And you think, why on earth is there so many trash cans? Well, you want your place to be spotless, right? You want your venue to be spotless. You want everything to be perfect for your guests so that when it's not, you're not worrying about what you could have controlled, right? Sure. And you're yeah. able to focus on what you can't and just try to remedy that. Right. And sure. so I think the Disney way and what we say is just the smile on the face, almost like the Mickey Mouse caricature. Yeah. You're always happy. Right. The customer is always right. And your job is to is to solve solve for whatever that issue is, no matter how small or big it is. Your job is to make it better for them. And so that's what sure. we try to do, too. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, thanks for that insight. Really, really awesome for people to learn about that. And, uh, and I'm sure it's a, a new idea for a lot of people to think about the Disney way when training and engaging their volunteers. So uh, next question, you've dealt with volunteers your whole life, really. Is there a moment that stands out to you in terms of working with volunteers? I understand that's a tough question when there's probably thousands of moments in time. If I can go back to the event that I have the most experience with, which is here in America, the men's basketball college championship, which is called the final four, but the entire tournament has different rounds. And so I've, I've hosted the, the round right before the championship round, which is called the sweet 16 and elite eight. Yep. And so it's, you've got the top six, you know, you have four of the top 16 teams in the country vying for a trip to the final four. I mean, it's high stakes, especially here in America. And so yeah, absolutely. my entire workforce, when, when we run that event and it's a week long event is in, almost entirely made up of students. And it's really one of my favorite moments, two favorite moments after those events. So my first favorite moment is there's always a dark day in between the two rounds of games. So let's say on a Thursday, we'll play two games. We'll have a dark day on Friday, and then we'll have the next round on Saturday. Yeah. On a dark day on Friday, we allow some of our volunteers to play basketball on the court and play pickup on the court <laughs> nice. uh, right before the teams come in and practice and do their media. And it, it had become just kind of this unofficial, very informal thing. And then 
you know, I'll have my kids out there. And so there's little kids running around and then there's the college, the college volunteers able to play pickup. And it's become one of my favorite moments. And it's early in the morning and we're exhausted because we just had two games the night before, but it's so fun. And we have such, such a great time. And then my second favorite moment is when it's all said and done, we take our picture at center court. Yeah, um, sure. And yep. and the people who stuck around <laughs> get to be in the photo, but it's it has it has become my favorite moment when we gather. At that point, it's eleven o'clock at night, so maybe there's only about thirty five or forty left. Um, <laughs> and we and we take the photo at center court. Tired eyes in the photo. Tired eyes, but but big 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 smile Smiles. and big heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. I might last question here. You've touched on. And clearly for you, the passion for students and helping students similar to what you were yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's a sentiment that students are lazy and, and they don't really care um, or they don't volunteer young people in mm-hmm. general. I, I couldn't disagree more in the way that we've experienced it from our previous world. And I'm sure you would agree as well. Maybe for maybe some of those people or that struggle to engage with students, maybe this is almost a key takeaway like how do you engage with students to get them to volunteer and secondly how do you make sure they come back and don't just treat it as a one-off you have to show students the value in the opportunity so i think if you can provide and show the value to them understanding they're 18 to 22 years old and may kind of think about themselves a little bit more and what's in it for them if you show that value and say, look, here are three things that you're going to get out of this opportunity. Number one, you're going to get some really cool gear, right? So they love stuff. And number two, yeah. you're, you're going to be able to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And number three, if you do a great job, you're going to be able to get a reference from me and I would be happy to help you in your next internship or your next job. Now, that means that they have to come and get to know me or people on my staff so that we remember them. And so when <laughs> Just you, like you when asking you a, a question for your internship yes. a few years earlier. That's right. So if you show the initiative, it's going to come back to you fivefold. And you make it kind of like a, a challenge for them. And totally. the people who are up for the challenge, they're going to volunteer and they are going to outperform everybody because there's right. something in it for them. And how do you get them to come back? You just make it amazing, right? And if they see that value, they'll come back and they'll bring five people with them. Yeah, totally makes sense. I mean, you, you touched on at the start that you've worked in sales. It's, it's as important to sell your volunteer program instead of sitting back, launching regos and going, why isn't anyone registering? I've asked them to be, you know, handing out cups or something. There's such a greater story behind why they're doing it in the first place or connecting to the community as as when you're pitching LA, you're sure you're talking about the stadium, of course you are, but you're talking about, you spend a bit of time explaining the people of LA and and why it's special and why it's a great place to be compared to necessarily the action that the volunteer will be doing. I think that's a really important point when trying to recruit volunteers to sell to them about what they're getting in return other than saying, come help me out. That's right. That's exactly right. That's yeah, exactly yeah, that's, right. And and I think on. there is a bit of pride, right? So pride for your city, pride for your university, pride in yourself. And if you can tap into that, then the sky's the limit. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Karina. It's been a, I really enjoyed this chat. You guys have an incredible journey ahead of you. So all the best. And uh, yeah, look forward to working with you guys in, in the lead up. So we'll, we'll be in touch, Karina. Thanks so much, Shannon. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Engage Volunteer Podcast with Karina Herald. We hope you enjoyed it. 
If this is your first time listening, then welcome. Our podcast aims to highlight the ways in which organizations and individuals are engaging with their communities to connect them to events and causes they're passionate about, with new episodes released each Wednesday fortnight. The best way to support is to click follow where you listen to your podcasts and tell your friends about us. For the next episode, we are very lucky to be joined by the one and only Tom Balkin, a specialist freelancer in volunteer in workforce management based in the UK. Recorded amongst the thick of UK COVID lockdowns, 2020 has presented its fair share of challenges for freelancers who specialise in events. Now that we've moved into 2021, this story will be very relevant for those that are still stuck in lockdown around the world. And Tom's got some great advice on how he's managed to get through a tough last year and into this year. From major sporting events to arts and cultural festivals, Tom has experienced the full remit of events and understands just how powerful people, including volunteers, are in creating successful end-to-end events. We hope to catch you then.